0: Welcome to Five Cats Two Pussies. This is Ronnie. And this is Lindsay. And this is episode 38. Week 38! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) We made it all the way to
0: 38 and counting. (laughs) Um if you listened to a year. (laughs) So close. Um, If you listened to episode 37, you'll already know this week's episode is Bees Part 2. Ow! (laughs) because we had such a great time with engineer dan telling us all about bees a few weeks ago in part one but we were left with questions things like do bees poop so we've invited engineer dan back to uh, be on the mic and tell us all about bees and whether or not they poop and many other interesting things i'm sure he knows
1: Be prepared, folks. Be prepared.
0: Bee pun! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sweet. Well, we will get to bees in just a minute, but uh, we want to have a bit of a real chat, and I'm going to (laughs) cry, but that's okay, because... This is a very real episode, and this is a very real podcast, and we always share what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what's going on, and I think that, you know, in good times and bad times, that's really important to, to not just, you know, feel your feelings, but like respect them and honor them and and work through them. So, um, So last episode, we gave everyone an update. And Nimbus went to the vet on, on Monday because um, after a day of not eating, we figured that was the right thing to do, and it was. And the vet um, at Angel Care MSPCA vet clinic here in Boston um, shared with us that Nimbus had an inflamed liver and pancreatitis, and they took incredibly good care of him. Um, and he tried real hard. He liked a lot of his handlers, and they were they were awesome. Um, and they sent us photos, and um, it looked for a little bit like he was getting better, and everybody was very positive about the experience. But then the butt that he, um, the butt that he was, he um, licked all the gravy off his food and wouldn't eat it. And at that point, the vet decided um, that the best thing to do is give him a feeding tube because it had been too many days that he could not. Uh, that he couldn't eat, and he wasn't eating, and uh, that went well, but in the end, um, his liver wasn't able to handle all of the extra pressure of uh, of a normal feeding, and his liver wasn't able to process the requirements on the blood vessels to absorb the um, absorb the nutrients in food along with his medications. and that caused his blood pressure to drop. And you uh, know we had we had a long, hard conversation with the vet and we discussed all the options, including heart surgery and things like that. But in the end, um, the right decision for Nimbus was to let him go. So um, so we've we've laid little Nimbus to rest. I'm sorry. <laughs> If you are a sympathy crier like me, I don't mean to make anyone listening cry, but we miss him very much. But we do miss <laughs> him very much, um, and we're very thankful, Engineer Dan and I, that that Lindsay was um, there with us all um, when we when we put him to sleep, and there when we buried him. And and we love you very much, Lindsay. <laughs> and we know that Nimbus did as well. Um, he's a goofy dude. And I think the hardest thing in the last couple of days has been the realization, which is bittersweet, of how much love he brought to the house. Um, it's, really, it's really noticeable that his presence is gone for more than just the things that you would expect, like being used to him jumping up on the bed or um, looking over at the chairs next to the window and expecting him to be poking his head out a curtain or um, you know swatting at your feet when you're folding laundry from under the bed. but it's the <laughs> it's the it's the little things um, you know when when Django meows, Kenway's got to pick up that slack now and uh, it's very quiet in the bedroom when we go to sleep. Because he's not under the bed snoring. Um, And I will, that was my reflection last night, uh, was that I still remember very vividly laying in bed after having just brought them home and they were, uh, Nimbus in particular, was very keen on hiding under the bed. And we were both laying there, Engineer Dan and I, and we're like, what is that noise? Do you hear that? And I was like, oh my God, I think the cat is snoring. (laughs) (laughs) because he had the loudest wheeziest snore (laughs) oh my goodness so i'm gonna miss him coming up to me in the living room and smacking his head against my leg as hard as he
1: can because he wants head scratches (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he was a real he was a real thunky monkey
0: <laughs> walking into the room all proud as could be to do his rounds during a and d game with everybody who was present rubbing his cat hair all over everyone especially the people that are allergic to cats mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep but, but we, we laid him to rest um, in, a, in a nice, quiet, um, shaded area of our yard. And, and he went very peacefully and purring and feeling loved um, when, he, when he did go. And I think that, you know, in the end, that's, you know, all we can really ask for, whether pet or otherwise, you know, is that you feel comforted and loved right to the very last breath. And he certainly did that. Uh, so he's he's in the side yard in what I call the witch garden. Because after we uh, buried our um, previous cat Daphne in that area, a whole bunch of random shit started growing. And uh, I think it was combined with my newfound knowledge in those plants. But curious to see what grows now. I imagine Daphne is like, the fuck, guys. I was Alone and loving it. (laughs) She's like, now I got this goofy idiot (laughs) trying to snuggle with me. I don't snuggle. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, everybody honors their pets in different ways. And I'm sure that we will all have very sad moments and reflective moments. And we're going to continue to miss him for a very long time because he did bring so much presence to the house. So much love. Uh, but I wanted to share uh,
1: karate <laughs> karate
0: chop. <laughs> I wanted to share uh, some of the things that I laid to rest with them because uh, because it was you know special and so I uh, I, I made a little bouquet essentially um, and buried him with some rosemary for friendship and protection from evil spirits, lavender for peace and memories, sage for purification. Mullen for cleansing of his spirit. Mugwort for sweet dreams. A lily for resurrection. A blackberry for a sweet offering because he was our sweet boy. Lemon balm for immortality and joy in the afterlife. Yarrow for healing. And a sprinkle of frankincense to help him cross over and transformation. So I don't know if you're listening, if you believe in you know life after, if you believe in life after for pets, but I believe that energy... Goes back into the earth, and his energy will will live on in our home and in our yard and in our hearts. But we miss you, buddy.
1: Man, did I have a good cry last night? Holy <laughs> more. I haven't cried like that uh, since I was a uh, since I was a child. I feel like I really do miss that guy.
0: We all miss him. He was a really good dude.
1: And you know what? I think he really would have liked is to hear me talk about bees. <laughs> 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 Fair. Today's, today's topic on bees is in honor of my goofy boy because I am going to ve- I'm going to keep the science in, but I am going to veer towards the goofiness.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to honor Nimbus
1: with some goofy bee stuff.
0: Awesome. Well, we'll be back in a moment to talk all about bees. In the meantime, uh, you know, give your give your kitties a head scratch. Uh, we will continue, just in case you were wondering. It is still five cats, two pussies, because he's still in our hearts. And he will remain one of the five. Before we sign off on the intro, I don't want to give Dan the satisfaction of us not lighting our Oh, candle. shit! Son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> God damn it, I even have the lighter right here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Lindsay.
1: <laughs> Episode ruined.
0: <laughs> ah, very good. Well, uh we have we have our uh n- naked people dancing candle and it burned great last time, so I'm going to give that a light and uh yeah, and then we can proceed. <laughs> Ow. <laughs>
1: Awesome! Love Sweet. it. There we go. You had it that time, didn't get pal. Oh, I was so close.
0: <laughs> 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 nothing says nothing says mid July like lighting a candle in like an eighty-seven degree studio. <laughs> 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 Whose idea was this to have ritual candles? <laughs> <laughs> it was a great idea. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will be right back to talk all about bee poop.
1: Totally. If, they, if they do in yeah. fact poop. Fair, fair. I'm sorry. I didn't want I, I <laughs> don't want you to get ahead of you. I do not want you to get ahead oh, of me I don't want you to be disappointed. We'll see you soon, witches. Welcome back, witches. Engineer Dan in the house talking about bees. 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 Ah. Yeah, Liz. Be, <laughs> bees indeed. <laughs> I want to start. I want to jump right off by saying two things specifically. There are a lot more about these specific topics, information wise. There is a lot more that we are not going to cover. We're still doing the 101. I mean, you can go to college for this shit. So we are not going to go into extreme specifics, just like last time. But I do want to go back over something that we did talk about last time right up from the top, oh. and that is swarming and the bees leaving and all that such as things. Yep. Step one to swarming, to be clear, because I think Lindsay asked some fascinating questions last time, and I wanted to get a little more deeper, but I wanted to make sure I did my research before I really definitively answered. Step one before a hive swarms is start making queens. Okay. So our queen is still in the house when the other queens are, when it's when, it, when they decided to swarm, She's still kicking it, but they've decided to start making a queen. They, okay. make about, they make about 10 of them. It takes about 16 days. Okay. Right? So, what are we doing in those 16 days while we're making some queens? Well, our queen we're going to leave with is wicked out of shape, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh. She is too heavy to fly. <laughs>
0: oh.
1: So, we got no. to get that Betty on a treadmill. <laughs> 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 So once they decide to swarm, and once they decide to start making more queens, they got to go over to old. I've been, I've been just making babies and eating honey. You got to get over it. They they start rationing back her diet of honey, and they start sh- sort of shaking her. They. <laughs> 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 oh no! Yeah, no. It gets worse. It gets worse. Oh. It's kind of violent. They oh, they shake her. They push. Oh they push her. They bite her. Gently, but they bite her. To get her get her ass moving. Wow. Yeah, they wow. need to they need to get her into flying shape, and they got about they got you know they got about uh, you know a week or two weeks to do it. <laughs> Whoa, so, th- like she's gonna lose about twenty five percent of her body Whoa. mass during that time to get wow. her in a to get her in a position where she can actually fly up and leave the hive. Wow. Now there are some workers during that time that are literally just like hanging like hanging up like not moving, just sort of like 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 batman you know hanging upside down when they sleep kind of thing they're not doing shit but what they are doing is gorging themselves on honey and storing all kinds of beeswax on their bellies okay so they're basically oh. they're basically like a moving truck for like <laughs> for food and 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 building materials
0: <laughs> oh that's so cute <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah and a lot of them actually hang out outside the entrance to the hive waiting till it's time to go which is how people that raise bees are able to determine before it happens that a swarm's a coming.
0: Oh. Because it's one
1: of the early wow. indicators. If you have a bunch of fat bees outside the entrance of your hive and they've got a bunch of beeswax whac- bee stuck to their bellies, you got a swarm a coming. Cool. you got a bunch of bees that are about to get get cool. gone. You know what I'm saying? Super <laughs> the cool.
0: Po- the poor queen. She's like, I don't want to. just like <laughs> biting her. They're
1: biting her. They're <laughs> pushing her. Like. It's, when it gets close to swarm time, it's happening frequently, like so frequently that it's almost every ten seconds someone's walking up and being like, "You know, come on, work it out, pal." Kind of. <laughs> Aww, poor me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, it's fascinating, but you know, yeah. they got to get her up and they got to get her ready, and she's a very important part. She's not her Majesty the Queen. She's basically the heart. Of the hive, because she uh, she just makes more bees, but at the same time, she's a very important cog in the in the um, in the hive and the life of these bees. So they get her up, they get her ready, they get her out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just imagine there's a bunch of bees that are like, "All right, time for a makeover."
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> on the treadmill. Come on, come on. Walk it off. Walk it. Cuz she's just like been laying eggs and she's just been eating honey and she get she got so big when she was serving her primary purpose that she doesn't really even move anymore. They have to bring <laughs> they bring honey to her. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So is the new queen that they're making
1: going to stay in that current hive? Usually yes. What inevitably okay. happens is the new queens that they're making cuz they make about 10 just to make sure that one's that make sure that it sticks. But depending right. on the size of the hive, the and the and the time of year and what's going on in that hive and how the honey stores are and how many worker bees there are, that a new queen could emerge and they could go into swarm protocol all over again. Oh wow. Right. It's not until one of the queens decides to stay that the other queens are eliminated, as we talked last time. Right. Uh, and,
0: and then she decides yeah. she's staying. She, right. she smacks all the other queens, and then she rubs all the all the bees with her essence the substance
1: the substance. queen substance yes right. yes 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 she's
0: like I'm gonna the stay boys substance. yeah <laughs> so the queen
1: substance alerts the hive and it gets spread throughout the hive that the we have a we have a queen in house so you know we're, we're good here we're all good and then that's and then life goes on obla oh, dee obla oh, da as it were <laughs> now the bees that are swarming about 10,000 of them roughly um in that group of 10,000 bees, including the queen that is now in flying shape and feeling like really good in her, in her old age, uh, you have a situation where the scout bees that actually know where the swarm is going are only about uh, 400 bees out of the 10,000 that are swarming. So every other bee is just like, like sort of basically stampeding. <laughs> they're just they're just flying. <laughs> they're flying, and they don't know where they're going. And, and only only a small percentage of the bee, of the bees in that swarm actually know what where the destination is,
0: <laughs> which I is
1: f- wow. friggin chaos now
0: i'm imagining this like an oversized bachelorette party oh. where like the maid of honor knows where you're going and the bride is like i'm like i'm along for the ride and she's all gussied up and then everybody else is like where are we going my shoes hurt
1: <laughs> well, it's, not, it's not quite like it's not quite like hurting drunk biddies but in just in sheer number it is a difficult task and they are posited over time that there were there are, there are three main hypotheses as how bees steer themselves in a swarm and modern computer technology has whittled it down to there is one correct answer but scientists and bee studiers used to think that it, maybe it was like they released a uh, a a, a, whor- a pheromone that the bees that didn't know where they were going would just follow that scent but science uh, in the modern has eliminated that one as a, prob- a possibility by they would put little paint dollops on the um, on the area where the where they excrete their pheromones. And most bees, when they arrived, uh, the ones that the ones that uh, had the the scout bees that knew where they were going that were painted hadn't broken the seal on that. So that oh, was not okay. that was not how that worked. Oh. So the other the other two are both by sight, and they're slightly different in nature. One posits that it is the scouts. All the bees flying at the same speed and the scout bees, like, basically being the Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. They're in front, and the other bees just sort of stay together in flight and they just follow the leader kind of situation. Right? But it turns out the actual way that they do it is with streaker bees. The bees that know where they're going... Because there's 10,000 bees and they're all just going to like fly in formation, um, the, the swarm is going to have a, a handful of bees that know where they're going are going to literally rip through the swarm flying at like 20 miles an hour way faster than the other bees to change the flight pattern.
0: Like sheep herding dogs. Exactly. (laughs)
1: Like the way a dog herds sheep. Ah, Cool. That's really cool. They're just going to rip through the swarm really quickly and and keep all the bees all course corrected.
0: That's awesome. Now, the
1: only way that gets fucked up is if the flight pattern of the swarm interacts with the flight pattern of a, a different hive's workers going out to pollinate.
0: Oh, God. If, you, if <laughs> bees get
1: caught in the other bees' jet stream, it fucks them all up. Because <laughs> they're uh, oh, they're, they're immediately getting inundated with incorrect information on where they should go. And the swarm fucking fails.
0: Oh, no. And then what happens? Well, Do what, they regroup?
1: Well, what happens when a bee is outside of the hive and doesn't have a food source or a shelter source?
0: No, but bees. They
1: seek it elsewhere. Elsewhere being another bee's hive.
0: Oh, and then they get murdered.
1: Not necessarily. I wanted to oh. let's talk about bee karate.
0: Karate. <laughs> 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 do
1: you have any more? Do you have any questions about swarming crap like that? Before we talk about bee no, kar- no, I'm
0: I'm good on the the swarming questions. I mean, in, I'm interested in bee karate. So, so. B- yeah, bee
1: violence is really devastating, <laughs> uh, but it's necessary. So. When a worker bee gets to be about 21 days old, there it's a, 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 you know, approximately their stinger is at the height of its stingerdom. It's it's you know it's it's hard and it's sharp and it's ready to go. I'm gonna burp real quick. Hang on. Nice. We can cut that out in post. No big deal. <laughs> but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so they're at, the, at twenty approximately twenty one days. A worker bee, the ladies, they're all ladies. Are at they're at the height of their um, physical stinger acumen, and they be they kind of take on the role of guard, and they hang out in the front door of the hive, and they sort of check who's coming in and out. Okay. And they do that based on the yeah, based on the smell of the bees coming in. They're like, "Oh, bee coming in with pollen. You smell like you're from here. Go on in." <laughs> bee coming in with pollen. You're from a different hive, but you're coming with pollen? Come on in. It's a gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Right? Right? Bee coming in empty-handed. Uh-uh. They will grab that bee. With their arm, with their mandibles on their arms And they will bite that bee's legs off they Holy will, shit they, they, will, they will rip its wings off They will sting it Jeez. They don't lose their stinger when they sting in other insects It's kind of designed to do that But things, animals with thicker hide Like a person or a horse or whatever uh, they, The stinger comes out And they die from that But they can stab to death other insects with their butts so, if you are coming into a hive empty-handed, you are going down.
0: So, if you wanted to sneak into another bee's hive, it would just behoove the bees to be like, "Listen, I'm just gonna scoop some pollen, and I can sleep here for the night." You bring a you bring a gift for the host.
1: Yeah, exactly. You you contribute to the hive, or you die. <laughs> <Like> that's <laughs> p- period. That's just the way it goes. Um, now. When a bee, when a guard bee is, goes into attack mode, they do release a pheromone that is, you ever hear that popular, uh, like you you ever have somebody in your family tell you, you know, if you step on a bee, that's just going to make more bees come to you because they can smell, they, 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 they trigger a pheromone that alerts other bees when they die.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I've heard that. Oh. Um, I actually haven't heard that with bees. I've heard it with wasps.
1: It's true with if, both. Yeah.
0: yeah. That like if you're at a picnic, like my my parents would always prohibit us from killing the wasps that were like buzzing around trying to get in our soda or whatever, because it would attract others to come to the area and we just end up with more. Now, I, I don't know as a little kid. I don't have any vivid memories of that happening, but.
1: Kinda yes, kind of no. The the they release the pheromone when they are in a fight. So if you just kill a wasp that didn't that was just there that didn't know he, he was just like maybe he was just like on the lid of your can of coke and he's like right. ooh coke yummy uh, and you kill him he's not gonna really he he's gonna release it when he's alive it's not like uh. a it's not like a death rattle.
0: <laughs> fair, fair.
1: But when they but <laughs> when the when the hive is under attack they ra- it's basically like raising the warning alarm. They set up this pheromone so the hive knows that it's currently in battle. Right? So that pheromone goes off and more bees are alerted and then more fighting continues and then uh, that that causes other things like wasps to like smell that yeah. and realize that there's a hive under attack so it might be vulnerable so then they show up. So it's this crescendoing massive battle wow. of all these insects. Um, the insects attacking the hive are usually doing it because there aren't enough pollinating resources in the area, and therefore they can't make enough food to sustain their hive, so they go to rob another hive.
0: Oh, it's a wow! Heist. Yeah, it's a heist. Wow! They they
1: don't there aren't enough pollinating flowers in the area to support the ecosystem of the amount of pollinators there are in the area, so they have to defend their food stores, and it becomes survival of the fittest. Wow! And these really big battles can attract. Predator insects, ones that eat both the honey but would also eat the bees, like wasps and hornets right. and things like that. And before you know it, um, yeah, the, it's, it's nature's way of, based on the hives and the, and the pollinators in the area, making sure that one ecosystem uh, like is in balance. Huh. And they do that by, again, clinging to each other, stinging each other, biting each other's wings off, ripping each other's legs off. It's really very brutal and that
0: sounds horrifying. So if you
1: see if you ever like if you ever see a uh, like a bunch of dead bees on the ground cuz they just throw them to the ground outside the hive. So if there's a bunch of dead bees on the ground, it's because there was a fight and there is a hive nearby and that's and they, they are the they are the fallen warriors, as it were.
0: That's super cool.
1: Pretty interesting. It's really
0: brutal. So crazy. Dude,
1: it's super brutal. You want to go Oh, okay. All right. All right. Let's let's do some fun topics. <laughs> So that's <laughs> that, that's that's bee karate. That's how bees do karate.
0: <laughs> oh wait, I have a bee bee karate question. Yes. So they release a pheromone when um, when they're under attack. Do they have a different pheromone that's like all clear? So that people stop fighting?
1: It just they just stop releasing it. Oh, okay. And all like all clear is eventually you stop smelling that smell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. For sure. For sure. Um I would like to talk about the origin of the term to have a bee in one's bonnet. Okay, Lindsay, you want to take a swing at what that means? Or do to you know what that means? Have a bee in one's bonnet. I don't know what that means. now. Uh. Yeah,
0: I don't even think that I can guess.
1: So the origin of that term is from a is from a Scottish author around the 1500s. I'm not going to say his name because he's very Scottish, and I'm not going to say the passage, because it's very Scottish. It's very Scottish. I'm just going to, I'm just going to let <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, it, it, it comes from the t- a Scottish term to have a head full of bees, which uh, became uh, sort of like the English got a hold of it, and they turned it to a bee in one's bonnet. And that is to be preoccupied with a certain idea, or being essentially obsessed with something. You know, Like the idea oh. of... Like the like you know the um, like to, if let's say you, you you get a you get a crush on someone that you're interested in it would be accurate to say that that person that you're obsessed with or are, like crushing on right now has put a bee in your bonnet
0: I ass- I would assume that comes from the idea of like it just always like buzzing like in in the back of your head or in your mind like have a head full of bees is like there's just like this one permeating noise but I have no idea.
1: Yeah, that's accurate. It's the yeah, the bees are like in this time, or their sole focus is to make honey.
0: Oh, right, and and they're single-minded. They're
1: they're single-minded purpose, and Uh, you and you and you're creating that for yourself.
0: Cool, that makes sense. Neat. Yeah, that's really cool.
1: And then, of course, the the saying that everybody knows: the bee's knees. Yeah, bee's knees. Right. That means something very uh, small or insignificant according to a phrase that was first recorded in the late 18th century. But then in the 20s, kids got into the slang like, you're the flea's eyebrows or <laughs> <laughs> or more popular and survived to this day, you're the cat's whiskers. It's the, It'd be like, wow, Veronica and Lindsay are the bee's knees. It's just a way of saying like a rhyming thing that doesn't really mean anything, but it means that you're cool.
0: So it used to mean that you were small and insignificant, and then it got translated into you're cool.
1: Yeah, like if I if, if we were at, in the twenties, if we were at like a if we were at a, a school dance, uh, and I and you were cutting a rug, Ronnie, right. I might be like, wow, that Ronnie's the real fox sucks.
0: <laughs> or cat's pajamas? She's
1: the cat's pajamas.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 we should all talk like we're in the twenties. It's great. Right. It was just. It was just. It was
1: hipster slang in the twenties. Yeah, and then bee, and bees knees um uh, persevered uh, probably nice. because because it rolls off the tongue, and there is I guess some truth to the bees knees because they do have like little that's where they do keep their pollens when they're flying around. Which brings me to now that we're talking about 20s dances, <laughs> this brings me to these sassy flowers. <laughs> these these salty dogs, these these dirty birds, uh, these OK, so the flowers, it fascinates me. The flowers need to reproduce by spreading their pollen around, but they can't move because they're flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so they need pollinators butterflies in this case our favorite bees to help them right so flowers naturally evolved to produce something they don't need nectar to just to attract the bees to come in oh really they have there there is flowers do the only Ow. thing that flowers produce nectar for those salty little deceivers <laughs> is <laughs> Is just to attract the bees. They make they they evolved to make something they absolutely don't need, rather than evolve to be able to spread their own pollens. They just evolve to attract the bees. I'll and see I somebody else to do it. I like it. I think, and I think that makes them sassy little little <laughs> little liars. You liar flowers, like although <laughs> slou- they're, they're sassy little
0: vixens. I mean, they're just they're they're sassy little sluts. They know what they want. They're Putting it out there to get exactly what they need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like, I, I, I need, I need to procreate. I need flowers are like, I need to get fucked. Here's some titties, <laughs>
1: <laughs> or whatever your whatever whatever gets you there. The flowers are like, oh, these bees like really that like they really like, like. I'm gonna make this like sweet little nectar for them, and then they can, yeah. and then they, then they show up. Yeah. Now, obviously, we were talking about. Um, Last week we were talking about certain flowers that bees can't even get to unless the birds come along. and that right. was just that was just part of yeah. their that was just part of their evolution because the, what, what they produced was really good for the birds, so the birds would eat it and they'd be happy. But what they needed <laughs> was for the bees to show up. So they just evolved to survive having all their petals taken away, so that the bees could show up so then they could flourish. That was bee balm.:
0: That's awesome. Super cool.
1: You guys ready to get really into the shit?
0: Oh, is that a pun? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actual shit. <laughs> oh yeah. Be pun. <laughs> Yay.
1: Check this out. Are you guys ready? I don't think you guys are ready for this. I but I'm I'm feeling very ready for it. All right. In the late seventies. Oh, at I'm the, ready. In the late seventies, at the end of the Vietnam War. Okay. Like p- play a creed song in your brain. little it ain't me. I know fortunate, sir, and all the helicopters are gone, and the American troops are pulled out, right? A sticky yellow liquid periodically rained down from otherwise sunny skies. Witness claimed the strange substance killed plants and sickened people. They called it the yellow rain.
0: Mm. Wow.
1: Yes. And uh, America, fuck yeah, we come in. After a lengthy investigation, U.S. analytics concluded in 1981 that the substance dubbed the Yellow Rain was a chemical weapon made of fungus toxins created by the Soviet Union. The U.S. Secretary of State at the time announced that the Soviet Union had given the weapons to the Viet Cong and they were dropping it on the people, uh, on the, uh, the Hmong... And other groups in their villages as they were fleeing refugee camps.
0: Okay. What does this have to do with bees?
1: Because (laughs) the rest of the scientific world, uh, we're like, okay, America. And a bunch of Canadian biologists teamed with some Malaysian scientists to solve this puzzle. What was happening was... They, re- they realized that this was happening, was happening more on, like, particularly sunny days, which we described earlier. Um, the body mass of hundreds of bees, before they left their hives, after they came back, after they studied the body mass of bees, uh, finding out the insects lost 20% of their, rate, their, their weight on the return flight. The bees would usually leave in a giant swarm, defecate, and come back to care for their lava, who were uh, who were particularly susceptible to high temperatures, so they would lose the body weight to be able to cool the hive down better. Because the yellow rain was bee shit. <laughs> wow. There were so wow. many
0: bees in Vietnam that they were leaving, like going for a, going for a zoomy and pooping.
1: Yep, because not only do bees shit, but they don't shit where they eat. Wow, they do not shit in the hive.
0: Wow, and so and this was killing people
1: it, Well, there was so many bees in this particular area that they we had concluded as a as a as a country, America, had concluded that this is what may, were making people sick, but really, they were fleeing refugee camps at the end of the Vietnam War, and they were fucking malnourished, and they were fucking sick anyway. <laughs>
0: okay we were just
1: trying to like oh. we were just trying to pin something on Russia for fucking uh, for like you know it was like this big red scare situation because you gotta realize coming out of Vietnam um, we're like you know late we're in the mid 70s by like 89 they determined what the yellow rain really was but we were deep in the Cold War at that point.
0: I see I see well. Go home, America. You're drunk. Yeah. Asian <laughs> honeybee larvae. Asian honeybee larvae are <laughs> sensitive
1: to high temperatures and become deformed if they overheat. So the adult bees were flying out, pooping, so they could reduce their mass, so they could keep their larva, larva larvae cool in the hot summer days. <laughs>
0: So bees poop <laughs> in massive quantities <laughs> and Amazing. really confound Americans. <laughs> and to be
1: clear, we did not find this out in the late 70s. We have known this for centuries that bees poop. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of winter, before we get spring, that first warm day when bees come out of, hibern- out of hibernation. Now, the bees have been in their hive all winter long, eating their honey stores yep. to stay alive and flapping their wings to create a warm, sort of glowing hum so they can survive the winter. But you know what else they've been doing? Holding it in for a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) They have been on a a seasons-long road trip.
0: (laughs) With no soda cup. Oh, man.
1: Exactly. So the first warm day after the winter where the bees can come out of hibernation, if you are a beekeeper, you will see yellow snow. Wow. And that is the bees leaving, shitting, and returning to a hive. It's also a good way, if you're savvy, to know where a hive is that you didn't know about. Because on one of those first warm days, you're walking around and you see a bunch of yellow in the snow. And you look up and you're like, oh. And you tie a little marker around that tree. You're like, oh, this a, a bees live in this tree.
0: Oh, do you think bears do that?
1: Do I think bears tie a little marker around a tree? No,
0: do you think they walk around and like when they come <laughs> out of hibernation and they're fucking hungry and they look for yellow snow and they're like there's a hive around here.
1: I don't know. The I I, I would assume that nature evolves to f- to detect its enemies its its food uh, f- potential food sources like tellings. So I'd imagine a bear would look at that, sniff it and based on the particular smell because bee poop and dog piss or animal urine smell very differently. They would know, I guess they would be able to identify that there was a there was a bee. That's why beehives are happier and thriving when they're like twenty-five feet off the ground and like the, in a tree trunk so that predators can't get to them. Bees poop. Bees do poop. <laughs> oh cool.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> and bees, oh, cool. bees
1: poop in the US government has like it blew their fucking minds. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Canada! <laughs> ow Canada!
1: Well, uh, that's about all I. I think like that answers the questions from previous. We talked about the the craziness of flowers and how they just how they are the sluts of nature, I suppose. Flowers. We've talked about bees and they they do poop and they do karate and they do the zoomies <laughs> to get to where they're going. And the queen goes on a uh, goes on a gotta-get-you-in-the-gown diet before they swarm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, why don't we take uh, a little break, and when we come back, I have a couple more tidbits of bee folklore for us. Ooh, fun! Ow! Yeah. Sweet. We'll, uh, we'll be back in a sec. Totally. See you in a sec, which Welcome back. Bees poop. So cool. (laughs) So cool.
1: There's an old science saying that goes, if it eats, it excretes.
0: Oh, very scientific.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bees certainly eat.
0: (laughs) Fair. That's totally fair. Uh, Well, as promised before the mini break, I did a little digging on some bee folklore. Last time we talked about bees. Talked about some of the magical properties or mythology or folklore around bees, including like go tell the bees when um, somebody died, like inviting them to the funeral kind of thing. and Or weddings or that sort of thing. So this time I looked up to see what um, bee mythology I could find for other areas of the world that... Uh, maybe incorporated it into like into culture or religion, and so I found three particularly interesting ones. And what I will say is because there's bees all over the world, almost every culture has something to do with bees in their folklore mythology, and there was a lo- there was a lot to draw from. But I picked three of the most interesting without having to get into also like. This god, who was the sister of that god, who was actually the cousin of this god. <laughs> so three little bite-sized bee bits for you. The the first was from Egypt. And uh, Egyptians had a long or have had a long uh, and involved history with bees. Some of the first uh, professional beekeepers. Honey was used in embalming and in beauty uh, regimens for a long frickin' time. Uh, Bees are, like, carved into esophagi? No, what's that? Sarcophagus. Aha! Ah,
1: sarcophagi. (laughs) Sarcophagi. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Sarcophaguses. (laughs) But the little bit that I liked, that I thought was super cute, was that... The God Ra, who I believe is the Egyptian God of the Sun, if I am not horrifyingly mistaken, but the God Ra, his tears, when they fell to earth and hit the sand of the desert, became bees. And that's how bees came into existence. Sun God oh, tears uh, That's so cute. Yeah <laughs> I thought that I was I thought that. that was like small and cute. And I loved it. There's another one, now I've got two different versions on this one, both similar in nature, but in the Kalahari Desert, uh, the belief was that, or the story goes in mythology, that B was going to cross a river and came upon Mantis. And this was a like storm surge wild river. And Mantis couldn't cross on his own. Bee said, I'll carry you. And carried Mantis, but got halfway across and became tired. And this is where the story diverges. One is that there was a flower that was uh, floating down the river. So the bee set Mantis on the flower and laid down next to him to, uh, to rest. And when Mantis woke up, Bee had died, and Mantis transformed into the first human being. In honor Aww. and memory of the Bee, the second was that uh, Bee saved Mantis from the river, and uh, tried to uh, tr- like tried to like get him to the other side. It was a little a little more foggy, but same idea. Bee helping Mantis cross this river. And Mantis didn't make it. And before B let him float down the river, he planted a seed inside of Mantis, a flower seed. And that flower seed and sacrifice transformed Mantis into the first man.
1: Oh. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was, like it was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. It's a really sweet story.
0: I love it because beyond being a really sweet story, it... It solidifies bees as having been there since the basically the beginning of humankind. And the, like, the beginning of their people began with bees and a sacrifice from bees to keep them alive. So I thought that was cool. It, it, it demonstrated how important bees were to their society. And then the...
1: Yeah, on that, on that, yeah, bees are fun in that they produce something that's useful for man. So Mm -hmm. mankind's been around for a long time. So you could imagine even before recorded history, we figured out that bees and man were always going to have this relationship because they make something that man is useful to man. Yep. And therefore, um, you know, like like most other animals that are farmed or harvested or coexist with us and et cetera, et cetera. Like the we we don't even know how long our history is with bees. It's before recorded history.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because like uh, this is a great example of that. This was oral history passed down, and and not really recorded until much later kind of thing. So yeah, that I thought that was really cool. Now this last one is a little more fun. So this last one comes from Thailand, and uh, the story goes: this was before elephants had trunks, and the elephants had normal faces no trunks just mouths and there was a brush fire and the smoke from the brush fire scared all of the bees and so the bees flew into the elephant's mouth because the elephant was so big and thought we'll be safe inside of here. And the elephants said, get the fuck out of my mouth. (laughs) And the bees would not leave. They opened their mouths. They tried to cough them out. They tried to talk them out. And the bees were like, nope, we're safe in here from the smoke, from the fire. We'll stay in your mouth. And so the elephants said, oh, you don't like smoke, huh? And they went to the fire and they breathed in the smoke. And then they blew as hard as they could. (laughs) <laughs> to expel both the smoke and the bees, and they blew so hard, it elongated their faces into trunks. And that's how the elephant got its trunk. The bees flew out their nose, and and yeah, that's how elephants got their trunk. It's not really about bees, it's about elephants, but I thought it was cute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cute. That is pretty yeah. cute. Awesome.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the three little nuggets, but there's a bunch. There was like, there was another one. I believe it was from Australia that had to do with um with a a moon god and the like. The moon god was hungry and ate some. like ate some honey or ate like dove into a hive and got stuck. And then some grass people came along and freed it. And that's why there's dew on the grass to say thank you from freeing them from the sticky beehive. Uh, But I I just really enjoyed if you you can easily Google all of these and so many more uh, that, you know, bees are just a fascinating part of our existence as pollinators, as a food source. Uh, As part of our ecosystem, and that's how they sort of wormed their way, uh, buzzed their way into all of our stories, our folklore, and sometimes our magic. I have one more bee thing. Engineer Dan, I believe I owe you an apology. Oh, yeah? I think I might have chided you on how pandas eat bamboo,
1: no, they are they are carnivores who they, choose to have a largely vegetarian diet. But guess what else they eat?
0: They also eat honey. Goddamn right! <laughs> they <do>. <laughs> <laughs> so they they primarily eat bamboo, but if it if they so choose to be more expansive in their diet, honey is on that list, along with like lizards and eggs and all kinds of other shit. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: if you see a panda at a buffet it's going to have one of everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so if there's honey around, it's on the plate. <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> well, that's our bees part two episode. We uh, we don't have a pussy of the week for this week. Um, you can go back to last episode, episode 37, and listen to our sweet pussy of the week song. But uh, we wanted to, to just say, you know, our pets for this week are our, our pussy of the week, our heroes of the week. Uh, you know, if you've if you've got a pet, give them a hug, give them a treat, give them a popsicle, whatever uh, brings a little bit of joy into their lives because they bring so much, so much love and joy and sadness um, into ours. But they help fulfill that full life experience. Absolutely. Until next week, no pervs. No Nazis. Totally.
1: Panda.